0: Hello again, and we find ourselves on the first Sunday of Lent. It's come around rather quickly, hasn't it? And we're into it, so to speak, really strongly, even after a few days. The first Sunday of Lent usually brings us to the temptations of Jesus in the desert by the devil. So I thought I would like to talk today about sin. As we hear in the book of Hebrews, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was like us in all things, except sin. The temptations of Christ by the devil in the desert after his baptism by St John in the Jordan River is an example of this. Like every person, Christ was subject to the activity of the devil and his demons. The devil tries to steer us off course and steal us away from God. So let's ask the question first, why is there sin, and why are we tempted? After all, haven't we been baptised and freed from sin? Well, yes, of course, we have been baptised, and the hold of original sin on us has been broken. But the effects of that original sin remain in our human nature. And those results are a darkened mind and a weakened will. A darkened mind means we have to learn things, and our mind does not easily grasp the good. A weakened will means that we are prone to giving in to our desires and our passions, to seek pleasure rather than what is virtuous. So why did God set things up this way? Well, as St. Thomas Aquinas wrote, God permits evil in order to draw, some, draw forth some greater good. And St. Paul wrote in the letter to the Romans, where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So God is doing things that we cannot fully understand. But he will never allow evil to conquer. He will not abandon us. And he will never let us be tempted beyond our capacity. Furthermore, this life on this world is a time of testing so that we may prove our love for God and our desire for heaven may grow stronger. Well, to the central question then. What is sin? Well, first to answer that, I think we have to say what sin is not. Sin is not temptation. It is possible to be tempted and we do not sin. Just like Jesus in the gospel. He resisted and repulsed the devil's temptation. St. James also teaches us in his first letter, never when you are tempted, say God sent the temptation. God cannot be tempted to do anything wrong, and he does not tempt anybody. Those who are tempted are attracted and seduced by their own wrong desires. Then the desire conceives and gives birth to sin. The second thing sin is not is struggling. To struggle to be virtuous is a regular part of human existence. When we find something virtuous that is difficult to do, having that difficulty is not a sin. Sin is not making bad choices. A bad choice is buying that laundry powder when you should have bought the better one. Sin is not making a mistake. Making a mistake is putting two eggs in a recipe when there should have been three. The last thing to say here is that sin is not what the world says it is. I say this because the fake moral code of the world is only in relation to the fake virtues of the world, like diversity, inclusivity, and not offending anyone. The world cannot teach us the faith. So back to where we started. What is sin? Sin is an abuse of the freedom that God gives to each person. Sin is freely and knowingly choosing to do something that is offensive to God, that which does not please him and breaks one of his commandments or divine laws. Sin may please the human person, may not do any harm to another, but is a rejection of God, whether minor or grave. How do we know when we sin? Well, to commit a sin, any sin, a person must have full knowledge. This means the person must know that what is about to be done is a sin. That's why we say that a child before the age of about seven does not have the use of reason and probably cannot understand what is good and what is evil. Before this age, the child will know that something is not pleasing to mum or dad, but not yet have the concept of, of displeasing God. To commit a sin, what breaks God's commandments or laws must be done of one's own free will. It must be a free choice done with the knowledge that what is about to be done is wrong. There are two kinds of sin, mortal and venial. Mortal sin is a transgression of the divine law by which we seriously fail in our duties to God, our duty to others, or our duty to ourselves. This type of sin is called mortal because it actually brings death on the soul by making it lose the sanctifying grace given at baptism. Sanctifying grace is the life of the soul, just as the soul is the life of the body. Mortal sin takes a person out of friendship with God and that person loses access to heaven and makes it impossible to acquire merits in the eyes of God. Venial sin is a lesser transgression by which a person slightly fails in some duty towards God, towards others, or towards oneself. Venial sin is light compared with mortal sin. A person is not deprived of divine grace by venial sin. And we could think, to use a physical analogy, that the soul is sick, but not in death. It would be a very great mistake, though, to downplay venial sin, because it is, offense against, it is an offence against God. It does weaken charity in us and can lead towards mortal sin. In conclusion, while we must be vigilant and examine our consciences, hopefully daily, we must never be downhearted. While God allows us to be tested so as to prove our love for him, divine grace is always available, most especially through the sacraments, to keep us free from sin. As is prayed at every Mass after the Our Father, Deliver us, Lord, from every evil, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin. That's not wishful thinking, but rather the real power of divine grace. But we must really ask for it and cooperate with it when God bestows this grace upon us. Lent helps us to be more open to the workings of divine grace.